Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. In 2013, we're going to start a series of messages called Dominate 2013. Everything is on dominate, all about being a a dominion and doing what God's called us to do. But before we can walk in that, you got to recognize why you were born, what your purpose on earth is. And today, this morning is the start of that. By the time you walk out of here this morning, you're going to understand why you are here on earth. You're going to know what your identity is before you walk out of here this morning. You're going to recognize the purposes. And there's five questions that we're going to tackle, but we're only going to go over three of them this morning. Or if we can only get through two of them, we'll get through what we can. But I want to lay a foundation this morning, if you'll allow me to do that. But I need you to understand something. When Jesus came, Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. Jesus never preached religion. Jesus preached the kingdom. And I want you to understand something. And this is, I've been in ministry for 26 years. This year, next year will be 25 years with the Christian Worship Center family that I've been ministering. But in that time, when I went to Bible college, when I took time to to educate myself, and as I was studying, there was not one class I ever took on kingdom. And as I've been reading, as I've been studying, the only material that's really out there on the kingdom is from Dr. Miles Monroe. And I want to encourage you that this Dr. Monroe has been just, excuse the term, but jacking me up. Just messing me up. Because I was raised in religion. I was raised under a standard of do's and don'ts. I wasn't raised in a standard of what I can do. I was raised under a church that told me what I couldn't do. And when you're raised in an environment that tells you what you can't do, you end up focusing on your inabilities rather than your innate abilities. Come on, if you're going to clap, you can do a whole lot better than that. And so as a result, what has ended up happening is this is that we are afraid to be around the world because we're afraid that the world will affect us rather than us affecting them. And if you take a look at Jesus, Jesus spent a majority of his time with the sinner because he carried the kingdom with him. The kingdom was in him. Now, I want want you, as we read in our words, starting in the book of John, chapter 12, As you turn there, I want to read something to you as you're standing here. Religion preoccupies man until he finds the kingdom. Religion is what man does until he finds the kingdom. Religion prepares man to leave earth while the kingdom empowers man to dominate earth. Religious is focused on heaven while kingdom is focused on earth. Religion reaches up to God while kingdom reaches down to man. Religion wants to escape earth while kingdom wants to influence, impact, and change the earth. Religion seeks to take earth to heaven while kingdom seeks to bring heaven to earth. 
this whole thing from Dr. Monroe, like I've, I've mentioned to you, has just really messed me up. And I wish I could say that uh, this is all my information and revelation that I'm sharing with you. But right now, as we begin to get into kingdom, I'm, I'm taking everything that I can from this. Bro- you know, what? I, I'm not a big reader unless it's a sports page. I'm a big sports fan, and so when I, I read books, it's a, if the first chapter doesn't catch me, uh, the book gets tossed in the read it later pile. I have gone through already three books of the kingdom in the past week. I, I've been inundating myself with messages from and about the kingdom. The kingdom will empower you to bring transformation to your surroundings. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of operating in religion. I want to move beyond religion. John chapter 12, starting with verse 27. If you're there, say amen. John chapter 12, verse 27. Look at Jesus, the power of purpose. Jesus is now in the garden. Where was it that Adam and Eve lost their dominion? In a garden. Where is it that Jesus is battling as he's about to go to the cross? In a garden. And while he's in this garden, Jesus says this, Now, my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But for this very reason, everyone say reason. Look at your neighbor, say purpose. purpose. For this very reason, I have come. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. See, for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about your purpose, releasing your purpose. And until you understand what the purpose of something is, you'll end up misusing it. And so I need you to recognize this morning that when you find your purpose, you could release your potential. Did you hear me? That when you find your purpose, you can then release your potential in life. And so I need you to recognize that without purpose, when when an individual doesn't have purpose, that's where midlife crisis comes in. That's where a middle-aged man goes out, buys a, a sports car, shaves his head, puts in an earring, gets a tattoo or a Harley, and all of a sudden leaves his wife, starts to go, look, he trades his his, his 40-year-old wife for two 20-year-olds. Some of you like that one, huh? (laughs) It's because when you find that you don't know what your purpose is in life, you start searching when you begin to realize, I don't know what my purpose is, and you start grabbing at things, and you think, if I get a a better-looking woman, I'll feel better. If I find a better-looking man, my life will be fulfilled. If I can get a nicer car, a nicer thing, if I could possess more things, if I could make more money, if I can get my business to grow, and as we begin to build all these things at the end of it all the richest man in the world Solomon said vanity vanity it's all vanity it's for nothing you go after all these things in life and when you finally reach the point where you feel like I've succeeded in everything you realize it really is worth nothing America is one of the most medicated nations in the world. Why? Because we don't know what our purpose is. 
We need something to put us to sleep, something to wake us up. Something to get us going, something to slow us down. Something to get us to concentrate and something to get us to forget everything. And we are so medicated, everything. You go to the doctor today and what do they do? What's your symptom? Here's a pill. Now let's find out what's causing the issue. Let's give you something to cover the symptom. But I guarantee you that everything, that many of the things that we are struggling with today all go back to purpose. Until you know what your purpose is, you're beginning to grab it and you feel so empty inside no matter how successful you are. Follow me on this. Dr. Monroe said this. He said, the greatest tragedy of life is not death, but it's life without purpose. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, it's life without purpose. What what am I here for? What's my purpose in life? In fact, I want you to recognize that the, the, the book, The Purpose Driven Life, sold over 30 million copies all back, and they stopped counting back in 20, uh, 20 or 2007. 30 million copies. Why? Because not only were Christian people buying it, non-Christian people were buying it because everyone wants to know, what on earth am I here for? What's my purpose? Why am I? And so even non-religious people wanted to know. And so the book sold like crazy. And I need you to understand that that's a question that many of us are still struggling today. And I need you to recognize getting married isn't going to find your purpose. Finding another man isn't going to find your purpose. Getting a nicer car isn't going to find your purpose. Because until you're satisfied with you, You can go to another church and you're still going to be empty. Find another wife, you're still going to be empty. Why? Because the issue isn't people around you. It's not the environment. It's you. Man, this is depressing, isn't it? (laughs) To realize that it's not everyone else's fault, it's yours. You see, we're never going to be able to move beyond until we take responsibility for who we are or who we aren't. And so what I want to do is empower you so you know what your purpose is. And that's what we're going to do today. Purpose is the original intent of a thing. If you're taking notes, write that down. Purpose is the original intent of a thing. It's the idea, it's the thing that, why, why did I create something? Why does is, why is this thing exist? And so I want you to recognize something. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I shared with you some principal purposes from, from Dr. Monroe in his book, In the Pursuit of Purpose. And I just kind of want to review some of these things real quick, okay? I'm going to go over some of these purpose principles just as a review because some of you weren't here. And so the first thing I want to share with you, first of all, is everything God, God is a God of purpose. Everyone say that with me. Come on, say it like you believe it. God is a God of purpose. Everything God does, he does with purpose. God doesn't do anything without a purpose in mind. Secondly, everything has a purpose. Everything has a purpose. Even the roach that you're trying to kill. The mice that you don't like. The underarm hair that the ladies shave. Everything has a purpose. You see... And I need you to understand something that we, we and, and I'm telling you that we have seen it, that biologists and, and have, found, have found out that when you begin to kill a certain animal, you throw off the ecosystem. 
And so when you get rid of one pest, another pest is able to survive and thrive. And so we found that when we kill something that we don't understand what it's for, all of a sudden the purpose is revealed of what it was there for. And so the next thing, not only is every, nothing in life is without purpose, but every purpose is not known. But we don't know the purpose of everything. And just because we don't know the purpose of a thing doesn't mean that that thing doesn't have a purpose. So even as you sit here right now, I need you to understand, ignorance of purpose doesn't wipe out or void purpose. You not knowing what your purpose is doesn't void the fact that you have a purpose. We might not know what everything's for, but it still has a purpose. Amen? Okay. Number four, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Abuse means abnormal use. And so when God created the heavens and the earth, and some of you have heard this already, he created marijuana, he created the cocoa leaf. Don't don't get happy back there, some of you, okay? (laughs) He created alcohol or the components to create alcohol. And when he created all those things, what did God say? It is good. Some of you are like, well, that means we can go get high. That means we can go. No, stop for a second. Where the purpose is not known of something, abuse is inevitable. So when you don't know the reason God created it, you'll begin to abuse it. So you take that marijuana plant, put it in the hands of a doctor. That doctor creates medicine out of it. And so now he's able to use it in the right context by which it was created for. But you take the same thing and put it in the hands of a drug dealer on the street. Now we have abuse, abnormal use. So when you don't know the purpose of a thing... Abuse is inevitable. That's why some of you young men don't get married because you don't know what the purpose of a wife is. And if you don't know what a purpose of your wife is, you're going to abuse her. If you don't know what the purpose of a child is, don't have a kid because you're going to end up abusing it. You don't know what the purpose of money is, you're going to end up abusing it. In the same way, if you don't know your purpose, you're going to abuse yourself. You're going to take what you were created for and use it for an abnormal use. Number five, you know, don't have time to really take a lot of time on these things. Number five, and uh, the new CD series from uh, Awakening is back there. You can pick those up and that we, we explain this much more in, in detail. Number five, if you want to know the purpose of a thing, don't ask the thing. Make sense? You know, I, I, I tell you what, as great as Siri is, when I ask Siri, what are you for? She don't have a clue. She's technology. She's an assist, but she doesn't know what her purpose is. You don't ask a thing what its purpose is. I don't ask the speaker what's your purpose because the speaker doesn't know. If I want to know what the purpose of a thing is, I have to go to the creator of the thing. So you will never find out what your purpose is asking yourself. you got to go to your creator. Number six, the purpose is found only in the, in the mind of the creator and the maker of a thing. 
The creator will always put his image on, on that thing, okay? Number seven, purpose is the key to fulfillment. When you find your purpose in life, when you walk in your purpose and you know what I'm here for, now all of a sudden you're going to find fulfillment in life. You find individuals that aren't happy, it's because they don't know their purpose. But when I find my purpose, now all of a sudden I feel like, you know what, I, I got fulfillment. I know what I'm here for. And lastly, number, number eight, the crea- creator always places his image on his creation. You ever notice that? The Nike symbol? You could see the swoosh and know that's Nike. You see the apple and you know that's an apple product. You see the symbol of a Mercedes emblem, you know that's a Mercedes. It doesn't have to be written out. All you see is the image. Why? Because every manufacturer puts a stamp on what they create and shows their image on it. When the, when the Pharisees came to Jesus, they asked him, they said this, should we give homage to Caesar or should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? He said, give me a coin. He picks up the coin and says this, whose image is on it? And they said, Caesar's. That meant the money belonged to Caesar. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar, but give to God what is God's. In other words, this, that mankind has an image placed on him, and you were created in the image and the likeness of an almighty God. God placed his image. God placed his stamp on you. You're not a knockoff. You're not an imitation. God created you as an original. You're not a fake Giants t-shirt. You're the real thing. You're not a knockoff. You're the real thing. Don't get mad, Stephen. (laughs) You're the real thing. God placed his image on you. And that's why whenever they're selling products that aren't officially licensed, the police will literally come out and they'll come and confiscate things that have a logo on it that says it's original but isn't. Why? Because the manufacturer has to protect its image, the quality of what it's producing. God does the same thing with you. He's protecting his image with you. Come on, somebody give God praise. So when we talk about purpose, purpose always starts, God always starts with the end in mind. Keep that in mind. You're here because God had a purpose for you, a design. You're here because there was something God wanted you to accomplish. You're not a mistake. Even if your parents didn't plan you, God did. Okay? Get under, I, I, you know, your parents, since you were a little kid, oh, there's our little mistake. You're not a mistake. Okay? God planned you. God designed you. Why? Because we've already established God does everything with a purpose. Nothing God does is without purpose. The fact that you're here means that there's a purpose for your life. Somebody say amen. So notice this. I want you to recognize that God always starts with the end in mind. And with that in mind, this is another, let me give you another version of purpose. Let me just throw some things out, out at you, okay? First of all, purpose is the end that started the beginning. It's the end that starts the beginning. It's the finish before the start. It's the destination before the journey. It's the final address for your life. It's the reason of your birth and existence. Purpose is what God destined. It was the end that God had in mind before he created your beginning. 
So you want to know what your purpose is? It is the end God had in mind for your life. And so I need you to recognize, even if you haven't started yet, it's not too late. So let's take a look at this. How many want to know what your purpose is? Anyone want to know what your purpose is? I want want you to grab a hold of this. I want you to grab, number one, the five questions, and we're going to go over as many as we can before we shut down this morning. Number one, first question is this, is who am I? Look at your neighbor and ask him, who am I? How many times have you seen divorces or relationships fall apart, and this is the conversation? You know, I love you, but I'm not in love with you anymore. You know what people are going with that. I just, I'm just trying to find myself. Dang, I didn't know you were lost. You're sitting right there. What do you mean you're trying to find yourself? You know, do we have to put out an amber alert for you because you're missing? When they say that, I'm trying to find myself is what they're trying to identify is who am I? I've lost myself. I've lost my identity. And listen, when you don't know what your identity is, you start putting on other people. You ever see the Oscars? Well, everyone's walking in to the Oscars. They're interviewing people and they ask, who are you wearing? Not what are you wearing? Who are you wearing? And based on who you're wearing determines who you are. Come on, follow me. When you don't know who you are, you start putting on people as well. Now, I only buy Nike shoes. I, I have to have Calvin Klein. You know, it has to be, I'm telling, it has to be Christian Dior. You know, it has to be Louis Vuitton. I only drive a Mercedes. I only drive a BMW. Why? Because it's the things that I wrap myself in when I don't know who I am. I need external things to identify who I am. Don't get me wrong. You might like those things. I like those things as well. But without them, I still know who I am. Those things don't define you. But when you don't know who you are, you start putting things on. Psalms 8 says this, verse 3 through 5. When I look at the night sky and see the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars that you set in place, what is mere mortals that you should think of them, human beings that you should take care of them? The psalmist is sitting there, God, I look at all, everything you created. Who are we? And I love the next statement he says here. Yet you've made them, or us, a little lower than God. You've heard it all the time. You've made him a little lower than angels. But do you know that the Hebrew word that's used there is Elohim? The same word that's used in the book of Genesis that said, in the beginning, Elohim. In the beginning, God. But the early writers of the King James Version were so uncomfortable with the outlook of who they were that they didn't want to use, they thought it was sacrilegious to use God and say we were created a little under God, that they took God out and they put an angel in. 
Because it's okay for us to be a little lower than an angel, but it's not okay for us to be close to God. Do you understand that you are created not just a little lower than God, but you are created in God's image and likeness? Look with me in Genesis chapter 1. Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make human beings in what? In whose image? Who's he talking to? Not talking to the angels. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. I've shared this with you before. If you've been at this church for a while, you've heard this before. But for those of you new, let me kind of lay this out. God always speaks to the source before he creates a substance. God always took time to declare to the source before he created the substance of something. So before he created the, the, the fish, he spoke to the source, the water, and he created the fish. Before he created the birds, he spoke to the source, the sky, the environment, and he created the birds. Before he created the plant life, he spoke to the dirt to bring out the plants. Before he created the cattle and the livestock, he spoke to the ground, the earth, to bring out the source, the animals. Because every one of these things cannot function apart from its source. The substance can't live apart from the source. Take a fish out of water, what happens? You take a plant out of the ground, what happens? You take a, the cattle out of the, out of the, uh, out of the uh, pasture and put it in a parking lot, eventually it's going to die. And for those of you that have birds in cages, oh, they're happy. No, they're not. <laughs> open that cage up and open the window. As much as that bird loves you, if you haven't clipped his wings, that bird, when he sees the open sky, something inside of him is going to say, that is the environment that I was created for. And he's gone. But when God created mankind, he didn't speak to the earth, didn't speak to the ground, didn't speak to the sky. He didn't speak to the water. Because God always speaks to the source before he creates the substance. When God created mankind, he spoke to himself. The source before he created the substance, mankind. The same way you take fish out of water, take mankind away from the presence of God. And like a fish, your gills will begin to start moving. You might survive for a little while, but you've been taken out of the environment you were created for. So who, I'm, who am I is a question of identity. And I need you to recognize that Satan's first attack on Eve was on her identity. 
Her first attack on Eve was on who she was. And she had forgot. He said this, if you eat of this tree, you will be like God. I got news for you, Eve. You were created in the image of God. And you're already like God. And so you don't have to eat from this tree to find out who you are. I need you to recognize that the enemy is still using that ploy against us. You know what? If you sleep with this guy, if you take this drug, if you do this in business, if you leave your husband or your wife, then you'll find out who you are. You'll find out what your image is. I already know my image. I've been created in the image of God. So who are you? You were created just under God. You aren't just, do you understand that when God created mankind, he literally created a whole new class of species? Mankind was the only being that he lent his breath to. Everything else he said, let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Only man he came face to face with and blew into them. You're not just made by God. Some of you religious folk are going to have a really hard time with this next (laughs) statement. But you need to hear this. And for those of you that just got saved, you're just entering into the church now, you're going to be like, oh, cool. You're going to, your spirit's going to be like, hey, that's great. Religious folks are going to have a hard time with this. You were not just created by God. You were created of God. Your source, you're the substance, your source, God. You are made of God. Oh, come on, folks. Are you catching this? You are made of the stuff of God. You are made of the very essence of God. God didn't just create you. He lent himself to you. He blew his spirit into you. You are made of God. Oh, come on now. I need you to understand. That's why no weed is going to rule this man. There's no alcohol that's going to rule this man. There's no situation that's going to rule this man. Why? I was created of God. He's in me. It's my DNA. The same way that I look like my parents is the same way you were created to look like your father. Good Lord, I'm losing my voice. I just feel like walking up to every single one of you and shaking you right now. Try to get it into you that we were raised in this religious mindset and not recognizing the glory that you were created for. See, he says this in in verse 26 of chapter 1 of Genesis. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Everyone say image. Image. To be like us. And they will reign. Some versions say have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, the livestock, the wild animals on the earth, of all the small animals that scurry along the ground. Then he said in verse 27, "So so God created human beings in his own Image And in his image of God, he created them. Male and female, they created them. 
I'm going to land this plane right now. We're going to get through one question this morning. But I need you to recognize simply this. Image is the pattern. Let us create man in our image. You know who the pattern was? Stand up, Jaira. What God did. See, I need you to recognize Jesus didn't have his beginning at the cradle. The nativity scene wasn't Jesus' beginning. Jesus is eternal. He was there at the beginning. He was, he was expressed when God said, let there be. That was Jesus, the word expressed. In fact, when Jesus came in body, Jesus was literally the physical embodiment of the thoughts of God. He's the word. A word is an expression. Jesus was the fullness of the thoughts of God towards us. And what were those thoughts? That when he stepped in when someone was blind, God's thoughts are, you should see. That when God saw someone that was deaf, his thoughts towards us is that you should hear. When he walked into someone that was deaf or, or blind or lame, he walked and said, no, you should walk. Why? Because that is my expression of what I think the way things should be. Jesus was the embodiment of the thoughts, the expression of God. And so in the book of Genesis, when God creates, he's doing this. Jesus, stand right there. I'm God. And he starts doing this. He starts forming out of the dirt, looking at Jesus. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. I'm going to form a body right here. Mankind was both created and made. Created means to be birthed out of nothing. Made means to take something existing and then put it together. He takes and he makes a body. Because I need you to understand, Jesus didn't have a body. He was spirit at that time. Okay? So when God says in our likeness, he's not talking about our body. He's talking about who we really are. God is spirit. Do you understand that you are not a body with a spirit? You are a spirit that just happens to have a body. That when your body ends, your spirit keeps going. And yet we're spending all this time trying to build this. Taking all our time and energy to build a kingdom on earth on this. Not realizing that we're neglecting what we really are. Your spirit will go on forever. I'm going to close. Stay with me. So as he's forming, Buka, jump up here. He's forming. Hurry, hurry. And he's forming. Lay down right here. As Jesus is standing there, he's forming. He's forming. Just with less hair. And he's forming. After he does all the forming, after Jesus goes, after God goes through all that, then he comes face to face with them. Don't worry, I'm not going to kiss you. He comes face to face with them. And then man was created in spirit first. God formed a body for him to dwell in. That's why I don't trip at funerals. That's just the body. It's not who my daughter really was. Her spirit is still going on. She's still alive. Who she really is is still going who she really is is still manifest. So God comes. In this clay, he comes face to face. Notice, face 
to face. God's purpose for you and I has always been to be face to face with him. Intimacy. Not religion. Relationship. Not religion. Relationship. And he comes face to face and he blows in his nostrils. And the body comes alive. There are many of us that are in this state right now. You're a body. You got flesh. You're there. But you're not truly living yet. You're not living yet. Because you've yet to let God breathe into you. You've let, yet to let God breathe life into you. You've let to, to, to receive when God created how he blew the likeness. Likeness is, is, is talking about our, our body, soul, and spirit that we were created to be like God, patterned after. But then he also made us in, in, in his image is talking about a patterned after. But his likeness talks about our personality. Do you understand that you have the personality of God? You should have the personality of God. Worship team, come help me at this time. God blows into him and he comes and becomes a living being. As the worship team comes this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. My question to you is, do you know who you are? Apart from. Apart from God, you will never know your purpose. Apart from God, you'll never know your identity. Your identity is not found in outside things. It's found in your source. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being successful. God wants you to be successful. Nothing wrong with you beginning to build a kingdom and and to find yourself establishing great things on earth because God wants influence from your life. But without the foundation of your walk with God, all those things are secondary. You're going to get to the end of it all and like Solomon said, vanity, vanity. It was all vanity. Nothing. It's all nothing. You were created in the image of God. And your purpose is connected to your creator. So with heads bowed and eyes closed right where you are right now. You're sitting here and you're going through and you're looking at Pastor Dan, you don't understand. I'm an addict. No, you're not an addict. You've had an addiction. I'm an adulterer. No, you've messed up and you had an affair. It's not who you are. Your identity is not what you've done. Your identity is not what you've done. Yet the enemy tries to put a label and affix a label on you based on your failures. Because if I can keep you like Eve, if I could get your mind off of whose image you were actually created in, I could keep you from becoming what God created you to be. You're here right now and maybe you're struggling with failures of the past. Struggling with things that you've messed up on and you're thinking that for some reason or another that now you're damaged goods. That you don't have an identity, you don't have a purpose. This morning, right where you are, if you're here and you would just simply say, Pastor Dan, I want to find my identity. I want to recognize that identity. I need that new identity. I need to know who I am. 
I need to know right now in this very moment, who am I? What's my purpose in life? If that's you right where you are, you'll never find it outside of your relationship with God. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, just simply lift your hand in the air and say, Pastor Dan, I, I need to refine it. God bless you. 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 Hands going up all over the place. God bless you. 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 Amen. God bless you as well. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You need to stop seeing yourself through the eyes of your ex-spouse. You got to stop seeing yourself through the eyes of family. You got to stop seeing yourself through the eyes even of your parents. You got to stop seeing yourself through the eyes of that ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. You got to stop seeing yourself through the eyes of your parole officer. You got to start seeing yourself through the eyes of God. How does God view you? God says you are just like me. Just like me. So Father, we come against right now yesterday. We come against failures of yesterday. And we declare new identity in Jesus' name. We speak new identity over your people. And we declare right now, Father God, liberty. I break every chain, Father God, of bondage over their lives. And I pray, Father God, for new identity to be given in Jesus' name. Jesus came to restore relationship. He came to restore your relationship. So right now, heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just, let's just make this declaration together to say this with me. Heavenly Father, I receive a new identity. I belong to the family of God. I look like my heavenly father. I was created in your image, not in Adam's. I was created with your likeness, patterned after your image. I was created of God. I'm powerful. I'm blessed. I'm anointed. I'm glorious. So I receive right now a new identity. I let go of yesterday, my failures and my victories. And I find true success in who you say I am. Be my source. I believe you are God and there is no other. Be the king of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you stand? Let's give God praise right now. Hallelujah. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to just step out of your seats and come find a place at the altar. When God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in the garden. The garden of Eden was the atmosphere. It was the ocean for mankind. What made the garden of Eden, what made it Eden was the presence of God. When man was driven out, they were separated from the presence of God. Like a fish needs water, like a bird needs the sky, like a plant needs the dirt, you and I need the presence. 
you're going to find your purpose, you got to find it once again in your walk, in your relationship with God. So how do I do that? Although you were not created for worship, you were created to worship. And that as I worship, the presence of God shows up. And so when I worship, the presence shows up as I praise. His presence shows up. And all of a sudden, wherever I am, a new Garden of Eden is established when I praise. My purpose is reestablished. I'm back in the area where I can breathe. Have you noticed that when you have a tough day, all of a sudden you put on some worship music? You, you turn on a little, a little Jesus culture. You turn on a little Troy's music. Shoot, you put something on and all of a sudden where all the troubles and all the pressures where you couldn't breathe and it felt like I can't go on. You turn it on and all of a sudden, whoo. Yeah. I can breathe now. It's not the music that does it. It's the presence. His presence is your environment. He's your source. Without the source, the substance dies. So what am I telling you this morning? Let's create Eden right here. Let's take the garden back right here. Let's recreate the garden of Eden. Let's come face to face with God. The Latin word is Coram Deo. Let's come face to face with God and let him breathe on you. Let him breathe on your finances. Let him breathe on your, your body that's sick. Let him breathe right now on your marriage. Let him breathe on your self-esteem. Let him breathe on your purpose. These altars are open. Would you go ahead and lead us at this time? Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.